Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We are here today. No. Okay. We are here today. Now I really want to know what the original one is. <laughs> to put the her. <sighs> How do we have listeners? In <laughs> her and disappearance. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh huh. I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy and um, <clears throat> Joy. So you, I had this moment because we haven't done this in two weeks, right? You guys are in, in for, for it. it. <laughs> you remember back in the day when Summer used to drive from Vegas, Vegas. and then we would just chat and chat and chat and chat. <laughs> well, I weeks. went to visit family. Mm-hmm. In Oklahoma, so, uh, so so what happened? Chatty, what happened to me while you were gone? Okay, um, was I I don't know, but something happened to me when you left town, where I decided, well, since Joy is not here, <laughs> I'm just gonna read a lot of novels, <laughs> and then like one night. When I, like, finished my third novel in a day, (laughs) I was like, you know, Joy not being here is really not, like, to blame for this. (laughs) Like, like I could have done this when she was in town. Mm -hmm. But in my head, I was like, I guess I'll just read. (laughs) I don't know. I guess I'll just, when you're gone, I stare out the window like a war-torn widow psychopath <laughs> i read like a i psychopath. go i go to the sea and i stare out, stare out the sea. <laughs> like i don't know like why in my head i was just like this since joy's going well, out of town there's nothing to do i guess I'll read. <laughs> it was very well weird. i was on vacation so of course i took you a book d- and did didn't not read. read it i did end up reading one chapter okay was it good yeah Waylon's calling me. <laughs> I actually uh, will be doing an episode on the the book that I'm oh, reading, so okay. so I you guys can look forward to that. What you're talking about? Yes, I um, think you do. I also have a book to read for an episode that's coming up, and I keep putting it off. I should read it while I, because I'm going out of town. Yeah, um, or at least one chapter. No, you leave and I'll do the reading. Okay, yeah, <laughs> and then you can do, <laughs> and then I'll you go can... again so that you can okay, finish it. Perfect. And then we'll constantly find ourselves in a cycle of reading and going on vacation. That doesn't sound horrible to me. Right. Yeah. No, at I all. think it's a great idea. Yeah. Just everybody read. I didn't really. I did like, um, I will recommend one of the books okay. I read. Uh, um, it's by the same guy that wrote The Martian. Oh, okay. And it's called Project Hail Mary. And the only reason I read it was because my dad listened to it on a drive 
like back in April or his something. His new thing. His new thing. Mm-hmm. I did get to walk around his uh, RV yesterday. Very nice. Nice. It's good. Primo. Good. Primo. Looks great. His, um, of course, I could barely walk in because his bicycle was set up because he did a ride inside of his RV on his bike. Because, like, you can take off the back wheel and put it oh, on those things yeah. and then it mm-hmm. spins and you get your... Anyway. And it... Hmm. What I'm imagining <laughs> is your dad pulling a fifth wheel <laughs> With on bike. a bike. <laughs> yes. No. And I'm... And I... Though that's not possible... It, if anyone could do it, it would be, it would be your dad. dad. Yeah. Who would figure it out. Yeah. Uh, Just purely through mental fortitude. Right. Well, he loved the book. And so then next thing I knew, Eric and I were on a long drive. We went to Sedona. Okay. And I was like, I have so many audible credits because I used to drive as right. we've established. Mm-hmm. And now I don't. So I haven't used them. So right. I have all these audible credits backed up. Anyway. So Eric and I started listening to the book and then we got home and I was like, well, I really want to finish it. I will never listen to it. If I'm at home, I'm not listening. Yeah. That's not happening. So anyway, I bought the hardback and zipped through it and I loved it. It was great. Very nice. Yeah. Although my dad was like, when I told him what I was doing, he was like, well, you have to listen to the last chapter. Promise me you'll listen to the last chapter. I don't know why he said that, but I did it. <laughs> he like has a opinion. Good, he has strong opinions. I know. Like a good daughter. I was like, oh, so annoyed because, <laughs> because Audible. Honor your father. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> Audible can't read to me as fast as I can read with my eyeballs. Right. So it was just frustrating. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all that to say, great book. If you are nerdy and you like outer space and I want to really highlight. So this is the a nerd. theme with this guy. Very, he likes oh, I think all of his books are stuff. outer space novels, right. um, and he is a nerd. Like the okay. the only thing I didn't enjoy about the book was there were some parts where I was like, I don't care about the science of this. Right. I do not care. I will believe. Just I believe. Stop telling just... me about thermodynamics <laughs> because I'm not interested. I'm not here for that. I want to know what happens. I will never close a book and not alien. read it because yeah. I didn't understand. Yeah. Astrophysics. That's not happening. But this guy does. Right. And I guess like. It's a part of it for him. He was in science and then he wrote a novel. And I think because the Martian oh, okay. did so well. That does He happen. was able to quit. Yeah. And now he writes full time. Mm-hmm. But it's like he gets his science out in his novel. And I'm like, bro, don't care. Yeah. Just tell I think me. I, f- I feel like I don't know if anyone's listening to this that will hear this and can do something about it. But I think we are due for maybe. um a space movie starring Keanu Reeves. No. The, nas- the National Treasure. No. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Uh, Keanu Reeves. America's Reeves. sweetheart. The worst. <laughs> nicest person. He makes me so mad. And if I met him, I'd be like, look, the nicest person. There he is. Ugh. Like, it makes me so mad. I don't know. I don't know. I can't handle Keanu. Like, what? Ugh. Imagine him in space. No. He would... He would be a bright light up in space. Yeah. <laughs> just, if the sun ever goes out, we'll just send, just send Keanu, Keanu up there. <laughs> I would really change things for other <laughs> Anyway. Anyway. Yep. That's me. I'm Summer Yeager. Read a lot of books. I'm not going to tell um, you. You're right. Ones. You're right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Some books are just best left. <sighs> Leave them alone. Uh but you're right. I am. I am Joy, Joy, your beautiful co-host, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer. And I was just going to tell you that um, 
Georgia has had a language explosion. It's crazy. And my two favorite words that she says right now are strawberry. Oh, how does she say it? I don't, I don't, it's, I can't even do it justice. Got it. But it's like strawberry. Mm. And then if she has, (laughs) she has some stuff that has strawberries on it, like a shirt and she'll lean down and she'll pretend to eat the strawberries on her shirt. No. And then um, the proudest moment of my life so far, (laughs) she says sea cow because that's what they call manatees Manatees. in England. And Sarah Sarah from Sarah and Duck, she likes manatees and has like a poster and a stuffed animal and stuff like that. But she'll go sea cow, (laughs) which is my favorite animal. Right. (laughs) So I don't know. There's something about it. I just never thought... I never thought she'd be saying sea cow this early. (laughs) Never tell her. I knew she'd be saying it, but. (laughs) It was so cute when she walked in this morning and just started like lifting up her leg and going, toes. (laughs) Toes. Yeah. She's just chatting away. Chatting. so sweet. Making friends with everybody. And what did she say? She had a whole sentence. I sit here or Mm -hmm. something. I sit. We sit here. I don't remember, but it was just a full sentence. Mm hmm. Man. Yep. Sea cow. She did tell us uh, she's been doing that and she'll tell little stories and stuff. Like we saw obviously deer because deer are everywhere except for where we live. So they're a novelty. Same with squirrels and everything else. (coughs) Right. (laughs) But she saw some deer behind my uh, in-laws and she was pointing at him and she was going, moo. (laughs) Because she doesn't know what a deer is. Um but then the next morning, she was like, she was like, moo, back. Bye-bye. She was like telling us that the deer were in the back of the house. Going bye-bye. And then they left. Oh, I was like, oh, little sweet girl. So. But the, yeah, I just eat her up. She's just like, adorable. Mm-hmm. I can't wait until she starts saying like words completely wrong. Right. Because it's just. She, she does say. One thing she best. says really backwards is car seat. What does she say? And I can't. It's like. She says like sarkeet or something like just all Backwards. jumbled out of order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other day. And sleeping pad. She goes blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but she gives the, up. But in the same blah. way. But it's, it's every time. Okay. So in her head, she's saying it. Yeah. It just hasn't like made mm-hmm. its way. Right. Out. So um, Janny, when she, how does this come up in her vocabulary a lot? She doesn't say except. She says bcept. Okay. So she'd be like, I ate everything except my carrots. And it's like, I don't know. She is always, maybe because she's always telling everybody the rules. She very much wants, the, you know, this is what you do. Except yeah. in this situation, mm-hmm. you do blah, blah, blah. So I thought that was the cutest one. And then the other day, uh, my mom was over and she was asking for a show. And it like popped up on the screen. And it was uh, the third one in the row. And she goes, Nani. It's the threeth one. Oh. It's the threeth one. And my threeth. mom was like, which one? And she was like, the threeth. <laughs> like, she just made it up. We may have missed out when we decided on third. <laughs> threeth. We may have, I yeah. mean, if you think threeth. about it, it makes sense. Threeth. Threeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's... I we'll have to start they... circulating that into... Yeah. No, the dads will tell them. The, the dads always <laughs> tell them how to say it for real. <laughs> Trying to raise their kids and stuff. <laughs> so annoying. 
<laughs> but I'm just going to enjoy it while it lasts and just enjoy right. strawberry while it lasts. Yeah. And... I've been trying to write certain things down. Yeah. Cause you forget. She says, Cause she just forget. And yeah. So yeah, I'll, I guess I'll recommend something, which is that if you have a, an adorable little memory of one of your friends or Mm -hmm. your sister or whatever Mm -hmm. of their kids saying something cute like oh remember when so-and-so used to say this you should message them and tell them because they may have forgotten and they will so appreciate the memory oh yeah of that silly little cute thing oh yeah that this is really the only reason why I put some things on Facebook. Right. For me a year from now. Right. Like it's really not for anybody It'll pop else. back up. Yeah. It's like this is, oh, I'll get to be reminded that this is what was happening in a right. year. Hence Clementine happens. says. Clementine says is a big one. I have the video of her that comes up every once in a while for me. She's sitting in the chair in my office and she's pretending to be you. Oh no. And she's going, hi, I'm Summer. <laughs> That just like that, and she's talking about you should listen to Sheologians. That's my show, and and then she like puts her little like rock on rock, yeah. hand up, and she's like Sheologians. Bless her. Heart. But she totally gets your. She does. Oh yeah. Hi, I'm Summer. I'm Summer. <laughs> my name is Summer Yeager. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, um, we have some new stuff in the shop. If you've been online, you've seen it. But if you haven't been online, you haven't seen it. So I just want to tell you about it. Go to shopsheologians.com. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What's the date today? <laughs> um, I'm assuming you mean date of release. Yes. It's the 12th. So it's not too late if you want to join book club because it our next round starts on the 14th mm. of July. So you do that at patreon.com. Slash theologians. That's well, where and the, the first book club goodness is. the first book club is usually welcome Very to chill. the book club. Very chill. So, so you if you think time. two days is not enough, you still you do really have time. Yes, uh, the book that we are reading is called Fair Sunshine. If you go to patreoncom theologians patreon.com slash sheologians people say i say that too fast um all the information is there for you uh a link to buy the book and it's also on uh facebook on the sheologians page and twitter on my page so anyway um check out the shop we've got new stuff everybody seems to be enjoying it i know i am um and join book club patreon.com slash sheologians why is somebody tagging me in this Sorry, it confused me. Oh, it's an octopus <laughs> thing. People take it very seriously, like tagging me in octopus content, and I just really appreciate it. Well, it's basically the equivalent of when you were a kid and you collected something and they would just get you. Yeah. Well, it used thing. to be that you, yeah, if you had a thing, yep. you'd always get that thing. That thing. Like my sister liked cows, so she always got cow stuff. I liked right. frogs for a while, so... Uh-oh. She had, a f- so I always got frog things. And- frogs. That's mm-hmm. so interesting. Yeah. What got you into frogs? They're just cool. Why? <laughs> like, what about them? Like, were you like, yes, I am into um, that? I guess I don't know. That's an interesting <laughs> question. Sometimes you just look at something and you yeah. like it. I mean, I enjoyed Frogger. I guess I just that liked the, the most... look of them. I had little statues and stuff of frogs. A lot of them do like did like a peace sign. Um, That's weird. Maybe I've always been a little bit of a hippie. A little. A little bit. In a good way. Yeah. 
But the frog thing's kind of weird. <laughs> I would totally have a frog now. I think it was Jeff one. saying, because the frogs was, I think Jeff was talking about how much he, hate fro- he hates frogs at one point. Oh. Was he talking about the plagues? I think he might have been talking about the oh. plagues. And he was saying that would have been the worst for him. <laughs> oh, I feel like maybe I could have handled that. Except like- the one thing is that they were... Everywhere. They were wrath filled. Can you imagine stepping, like having to walk on? Right. I would not want to like step on a frog. That hurt my stomach. I did see three baby raccoons when I was in Oklahoma. Oh, that's too many. And they were really cute. Were they? I also saw armadillos, which I saw one last year when we were out there. And I realized how much I love armadillos and love seeing them. And would love to have one as a pet. But anyway, no, I'm I digress. I'm going to pass on that. Did I send you the, the video about the T-Rex arms? Mm-mm. Oh, well, I definitely have to tell you about it. Okay. But I, I mean, I should just send it to you. But like T-Rex, like their arms have never made sense, right? Uh-huh. Like why this giant thing with these arms that don't like really work right. or mm-hmm. whatever. But like there's good reason to believe that those are actually like the skeletal. That's like the skeletal structure of like a wing. Oh, uh huh. Because like ostriches have very right. similar, and like other big birds, and so like they were obviously dragons. Mm. Duh. I mean, yeah, it's very true. Uh, a lot. A thing that some people don't realize is that sometimes with skeletons, people just kind of put them yeah. where they thought things would go. Right. And sometimes people would mix skeletons together. Right. They were um, dragons. I, I won't it. debate you on that. Yeah, I believe it. Anyway, why am I talking about this? Okay. <laughs> um, hi, it's because it's been a while. I actually have like 12 other things I want to tell you. But... I know. Luckily, we will, we're recording another episode okay, today. And Perfect. I'll tell you about it then. We'll have plenty. Well, for those of you that hate the chatting, this episode and the next episode. Not Just for a you. heads up. Good luck. You can timestamp this warning <laughs> that's already I wish 25 I minutes in. <laughs> I wish I knew how long. Anyway, um, okay. <laughs> So I'm going to tell you the story of a girl from 1980, which feels like a long time ago now because I wasn't born yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we all measure things <laughs> by our own lifespan. Um, I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of a girl named Laureen Ron. Okay. And there's three reasons why I was really fascinated by the story. Uh, and it, it doesn't have a happy ending. Okay. So just going to prepare you all, all right. for the story. Okay. So let me tell you about Lorene Ron. Uh, she lived with her mom. Her mom's name was Judith and they lived in Manchester, New Hampshire. She was a good student. She was 14 years old at the time. We're talking April, 1980. Um, she liked to sing. She liked to dance. She wanted to be an actress. She planned to move to California and make it big. And that was her dream. So, uh, Laureen and her mom, Judith lived alone. They lived in an apartment complex on the third floor and the dad, I looked all over and there is no mention of her father. I mean, I read, I got, I got this information from Reddit. I mean, Boston globe, uh, New Hampshire's official, like disappearing person's website. Mm -hmm. No mention of her dad. So he was probably never I, around. It seems like he was never around. 
So on April 26th, 1980, her mom, Judith... Uh, met her, she was dating a pro tennis player. Also could not find his name. I kept finding me- like mentions that she was dating a pro tennis player. Is that like, are there a lot of those? Like, I feel like, I don't know. Okay. They were... <laughs> Maybe people are just like, he was a professional know, athlete, but pre- it was tennis. <laughs> it was so <laughs> so we you all know, know how most of you care about that. You've never heard of him. <laughs> um, you've never seen the game. <laughs> um, Something about love. There's a ball, <laughs> rackets. So she went out of town with her pro tennis player boyfriend at the time. Now, some reports have said they went out of town, that that they were just going shopping, and this was, like, unrelated to the tennis playing. And then another article I read said they were going to a tournament. I don't know which one it was. What I do know is that she left her daughter at home and went kind of far away with okay. her pro tennis player boyfriend. Uh. Now, apparently they were close because it would have been normal for Lorene to go with them. But for whatever reason, she didn't. And it became apparent that the reason that she didn't was she wanted to invite some friends over to drink. Ah, okay. Okay. So it was spring break. And it's 1980. And it's 1980. You said she's 14? She's 14. Okay. So honestly, I think younger kids got left alone. In 1980, then mm-hmm. 14. So not totally, yeah, crazy. And yeah, if she had a motive to mm-hmm. stay home alone, yeah. then certainly she invited one guy friend over and one girlfriend over, and uh, somehow they got alcohol. I don't know if it was in the house or how they procured it, but they did. So they were drinking, doing whatever it is, you know, like ha ha ha, we have beer, you yeah, know, like mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and then it ended very, very quickly because they heard voices in the hallway and they assumed that it was her mom and boyfriend returning. Okay. And so the guy said that he, when he heard the voices, he just immediately fled, right? Like he ran, he was like, I'm out. He exited in the back. Apparently there was a back door. Which got me thinking, like, they're on the third floor apartment building. Right. There's a back door. I don't really understand what that looks like. Anyway, so he flees. Um, and in police reports, he later said that he remembers when he ran out the back door because they heard voices. He remembers hearing Laureen lock the back door. And okay. that became important later. Um, however, it was not Judith. Whoever it was, it wasn't the mom and the boyfriend returning. And so the girl, her friend that was still there, decided to sleep over. So Laureen, being nice, said, okay, well, you you can sleep in my bed. And her friend was like, okay. And so her friend went and fell asleep in her bed. And uh, Laureen went out to the couch as far as the friend knew. Right. So around midnight, Judith, the mom, returns And when she returned in the middle of the night, she discovered that every light bulb that was on all three floors, three floors of the apartment complex had been unscrewed. What? They'd all been unscrewed. That's so weird. So like in the hallways. Yeah. So like as you're walking to the apartment, they had all been unscrewed. Every single one of them. So she can't, she was like coming up. It was like pitch black and the bulbs were there. But they had been, like, turned. Just turned so that they enough weren't, so that they would turn off. So they weren't on. 
but and, obviously that's something that it would, it would take a human to do right you'd have to do and that and you'd be like why like the power wasn't out right to the apartment complex it was like they had just been unscrewed mm-hmm. um so obviously that was really weird and then when she goes up to her front door the front door was unlocked. So at this point, she's feeling a little like, okay, like this is weird. What's going on? One weird thing, not so weird. Few weird things concerning. Getting concerning. Also, it's the middle of the night. Right. Um, so because she had this weird vibe, she went and checked on Laureen, naturally. Like you check on your kid. Mm-hmm. She looks in the bedroom. She sees a body in the bed and she's like, oh, okay, Laureen's oh. asleep. Well, as we know, it's, it, her friend. it's her friend. It's not her. Um, another interesting thing that she thought was weird was that her back door was wide open. But one of the reasons she didn't even think to like wake Laureen up, right? Go in further and find out it's the friend is that she saw Laureen had this like brand new pair of shoes. They were sitting by the couch. Her She had clothes that were like folded and sat by the couch and other like personal belongings that she never left with. So she really had no reason to think her daughter wasn't there in bed. Right. But yeah, the front door was unlocked and the back door was wide Other open. Other than that, yeah, so that the was, door is open. That was weird. Okay. Um, so she wakes up. She goes into Laureen's room and discovers, oh, this person in the bed, not Laureen. She's like, hey, where's Laureen? And her friend's like, she's asleep on the couch. And her mom's like, no, she's not. 911, where's my daughter? Right. She's obviously been missing for a while at this point. So initially... Um, Judith's mom was like, something wrong has happened to her. Mm-hmm. She would not leave the house. She wouldn't leave the door wide open. She wouldn't leave her shoes, clothes, purse, belongings, stuff that she never leaves the house with, like if she was just leaving. Um, but the police insisted they just treated the case like it was a runaway case. They were just like, well, you know, it's fine. Um, and the police and in- the initial theory was that Laureen chose to leave the apartment willingly uh and she intended to return but maybe somehow was prevented in doing so and her mom just like never believed that story well eventually um they did have a clue turn up but it's very very odd so they had nothing they had absolutely they had absolutely zero things going on um while they had zero things going on in the case, they had no leads. You know, like I said, they talked to the guy, the boy that had fled. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know, the door, I heard the door lock. Like, I don't know. Um, well, a year later, that boy kills himself, commits suicide. Uh, so Whoa. That's weird. Um, and in the meantime, Judith starts to receive strange phone calls in the middle of the night at 345 in the morning like clockwork um they were anonymous phone calls the number couldn't be traced although i mean it was you know 1980 1981 like i don't really i don't really can't really speak to the technology here but they could they could not trace where it was coming from Um, like some people don't i don't think people even realize that in the 80s is when they decided to like connect police databases so that there was right. like a national right like it has not been that long no since we've had no, not like that improved technology right. in terms of finding people or tracking people right. down or or knowing even what's happening in other counties right they didn't talk to each other right 
So these anonymous phone calls would always come in around 3.45 in the morning. And for whatever reason, every year, for several years afterwards, these anonymous 3.45 in the morning phone calls where somebody was just breathing on the other end um, would increase in frequency during and around Christmas time, which just also is really weird. Um, and this... Do you think it was her? I mean, maybe. This went on for years until Lorreen changed her number. Like, it didn't stop until she changed her number. Um, so it wasn't necessarily someone watching her. Right. Because it stopped, but it would have been someone that, like, knew her well, in association with that phone number. Yeah, it didn't have that, no- that new number. Right. And- so... Uh, they did finally, a couple months after her disappearance, have a clue, if you want to consider it a clue. Um, there were three charges to Judith's credit card for phone calls. However, these phone calls were made from California. So this was weird because the Rons, you know, they're, they're over in Massachusetts, like as far as you can get from California as possible. They had no family in California. The only connection they have to California is that Lorene did plan to move Wanted there to go there. That's right. At some point. So two of the calls were made um, in Santa Monica and one call was made to a teen sexual assistance hotline, which I didn't do too much digging into, but remember, it's 1980. This is a weird time. Now, a plastic surgeon ran this hotline, and so he was contacted, and he said he had no idea. He has no idea. He doesn't know anything about Lorreen, never heard of her. So these seemed like potential leads that became nothing. Um, And then... There was one instance where a family member thought they saw Laureen. And other than that, nothing happened. So we have the strange phone calls being made to her mom. We have three phone calls charged to Judith's credit card from Santa Monica. And then someone thought they saw her. So uh, then in 1985, so five years after... Um, she I was wrong. Like- it was five years after... Uh, she initially went missing in April of 1980, that the boy that was at the house that night had committed suicide. And his death was deemed, it wasn't suspicious or anything, but it was really, it was just like one of those, like, here's another tangentially weird thing. Well, and when you have, when you have nothing to go off of, you go off of whatever you have. Right. So even if that was unrelated, right, it had to be viewed as related until, until you couldn't you prove otherwise. View it, right, right. Uh, and so another weird thing happened in 1985 that kind of ups the ante, which is that that plastic surgeon that I talked about, who ran that hotline um, for teenagers, who initially said he had no idea, like right. this couldn't have whatever, around the same time that the boy killed himself, the plastic surgeon came forward and changed his story and wanted the police to know that a large number of runaway teenage girls had visited his home, including one from New Hampshire, like that he knew had been from New Hampshire. 
Um, he implicated his wife because he said he and his wife sometimes like to help runaways um, and was like, you should talk to her because she might know something. Um, anyway, all that to say, again, nothing came from any of this. There was no connections they could make, no like real leads. So in 1986, um, Judith, the mom, hired a PI. He went to California. He looked into the locations that those phone calls were made. Um, and unfortunately, one of the hotels that this phone call had been made from was known to be a place where like pedophiles had been really busy. So, of course, does this make Judith, I mean, what does this, right. what is this going to oh, do to you as a parent? Gosh. You know what I mean? Just horrible. Um, so after that, um, someone called. And so a year after that, so we're in late 1986 now, this has been six years. Uh, someone called a childhood friend of Laureen's named Roger and said that she was Laureen. Somebody called Roger, had his, home phone number right claimed to be Laureen um and well at this point she'd be like 20 yeah because it's six years later so she's 20 years old um and they looked into that phone call and never found anything and as late as 1988 people were claiming to have like there was a possible sighting of Laureen as far away as Anchorage Alaska and the claim was was that she was working as a prostitute at that time in 1988. So uh, that was the last reported incidents of seeing her. Her mom moved to Florida and remarried. And she firmly believes that her daughter ran away to California to become an actress. Uh, and that it was... She believes that Laureen made those three phone calls and charged them to her credit card because she knew the number. Apparently. Right. Who else would? Yeah. Um, and a lot of people also believe there were two other girls who completely up and vanished around the same time in the same area. Um, a girl around the same age named Denise lived two blocks from the Rons and she disappeared six weeks after Laureen. And then another girl named Rachel, she disappeared a month before Laureen and lived not that far away. They were all about the same size, same height, and looked a lot alike. Um, and all of those cases to this day um, have not been resolved. Now, what another super interesting thing about that um, is that... The police do believe that foul play was in, involved, and they actually did have a person of interest in the case. Uh, the person who is considered uh, as suspicious was a suspected serial killer in the area, and his name was Terry Rasmussen, and he was living under the name Bob Evans. During the time that he lived in the same area, they think he carried out several kidnappings and murders. And he is thought to be behind the disappearance of both Denise and Rachel that I just mentioned. Okay. Uh, he only lived two blocks away from Laureen and her mom. And he actually went uh, missing six weeks after Judith, after um, Laureen's disappearance. Um, and so 
the connection basically wasn't made until decades later and Rasmussen had already died in 2010. He was serving time for a murder he committed in 2003 um, where he had killed his own wife. So all that to say, if he did know what happened to Lorraine, obviously he's not going to be able to tell right. us now. Yeah. It's very interesting because in a way you almost wonder if they, if the girls could have been, like lured or if she could have even if it was just her Mm -hmm. well it's not common i wouldn't think it's common for three young girls to disappear in that same same area area. in that same in a small span of time and someone lorraine's not gonna go unscrew all the light bulbs in her whole she's just gonna walk out the back door she doesn't need to even if she wanted to disappear and like leave her belongings right. and stuff. Right. She's not, she can just walk out the door. Right. She like, it's the middle of the night. <laughs> right. She can walk out the door and no right. one's gonna. It's her home. She right. doesn't need to do So it anything. kind of doesn't, it doesn't really, it seems like someone would have been there assisting in her right. leaving. Right. If not forcing her. Right. To leave. So, and so weird to have to have friends over right you know and for the um, boy to flee the whole his whole story about like the door like i don't understand like if he's disappearing out the back door because he wants to get away before he gets caught did he stand there and wait for her and listen for her to lock the the door like that just seems like this is pure speculation obviously but it just seems strange to me like you're running away, yeah, but you're standing there long enough to like listen the door. for a deadbolt yeah. or something. Like that just seems really strange to me. Um, and I just can't help but wonder, like, was he in on it? Did he know something? Or yeah, even just know more than he wanted to say. Let on, and then right that destroyed his life. Right. Who knows? That's so man, so how sad. Her mom, Judith, um, is now living in Florida. And unfortunately, I think she's gone a little crazy. Um, She's been consulting psychics, trying to figure out where Laureen is. Um, Well, and those people are just... Pray. They pray on the grief of... Yeah. Right. And she's like, you know, she keeps saying, not one of the, the psychics that I've talked to has ever said they've seen her pass away. Um, she said, it's a mother's instinct. I've never, ever felt her pass away in my heart. Um, you know, <laughs> I feel this is so gross. But one one of the psychics that she talked to um, told her that her daughter, <laughs> this is what the psychic told her. The psychic told her she had been abducted by an Asian gang, is living in Israel, has had two children who she had to give up. And would be coming home alive. And it's just like, why? Anyway. Okay. So when I first started. Yeah. Why? Why? (laughs) Why are you? Why? So one of the first things that hit me about this story uh, when I was reading about it was just the fact that um, it is a fact that children without a stable father in the home have a much more dangerous life. Like the fact that her mom is out 
dating and out seeing this guy and she's home alone because her mom is out dating. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it left her unprotected in a way that, um, just wouldn't have been the case. Right. There would, and there would have been because of that, there would have been like more of a variety of men Mm -hmm. in her life. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, sounds like she was a little bit more of a latchkey kid right. kind of left to right take care of herself so many bit. of the if you read any kind of true crime story like you're you're just going to hear a lot of stories about children that are just left really vulnerable mm-hmm. and in a place where they shouldn't be and this is one reason why <laughs> marriage and family is so important yeah um is because you're just much less likely to be in these kinds of situations um and i'm not at all like trying to blame her mom for what happened i don't know well yeah and we certainly don't even know why the dad left right right like i don't know very possibly had nothing to do with the mom why the dad left so like right so i'm not blaming her because i don't know but what i do know is that she was left really vulnerable um and obviously something horrible happened to her as a result and it just makes me think about Another thing it makes me think about is just I was talking to somebody the other day about how you and I, we're in the first generation that I don't remember a time before the Internet. Like I just my whole life. Certainly not as an adult. No. not I mean, like I remember. I, re, I mean, I, re, you know, I remember when it became a big thing, but I was young. Yeah, I was young. I wasn't. No, in I, terms of when you're of the age to like get on the computer and start doing that stuff, like yeah, I remember the yeah. dial-up sound yeah. from first grade. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, we grew up with the internet, yeah. and I think one of the consequences of being the first generation that grew up with the internet is that our parents didn't grow up with the internet, right? And so it's made me think a lot about how, at, like, as kids we were exposed to so much more that our parents didn't even know about because they didn't grow up with the internet. They didn't know the rules. They didn't know what was on there. They didn't know what we could find or who could find us. Right. And so we're in such an infancy with the internet. Um, But this story just reminded me that it's kind of always been the case that you think, not my kid. Like you think this isn't going to happen to me. Well, I always say... Like, everyone who's ever been through a horrible traumatic event never woke up that day thinking, oh, today, today my life go, is going to change right, forever. It right. It, you doesn't, know? it doesn't work that way. Mm-mm. And I just think um, there's so, there's always been such a, a detachment, I think, a generational detachment that we have to, like, seriously overcome. And I think about that in our generation of like, okay, I grew up with the internet. I know what people, I know what kids do on the internet. Oh, yeah. Like, I grew up with the internet. But what I'm realizing is there's so much stuff about the internet right now that, like, frankly, I'm just too old for. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand Instagram stories. I don't get it. I don't, I right. don't, I don't under, why do people, why? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, like, I think I'm just, when it comes to the internet, I'm an old person. Right. Like there's so many things that I don't understand about the internet. Yeah. And that my kids will. And so what I'm saying is 
is there are so many dangers on the internet. I think what a lot of parents do is they think, well, not my kid. Like my kid, my kid wouldn't do that. And I just want you to know, like, if you think that you've already lost the battle because your job is to stand up for them. Mm -hmm. Like your job is to stand in the gap and make sure not my kid. Right. You can't make sure not your kid if you're not monitoring what they're doing. Well, ultimately, that's pretty much it that you hit on the head right there is we think our kids like need privacy and they need, (laughs) and I'm not saying like, I'm not saying you, you invade every part of their life, but we, um, yeah, we, we have a tendency to think our kids need less protection than they do because we we're adults and we don't. Yeah, and even it was super common back in the 80s to kind of leave your kids, leave the door open, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And um, mm-hmm. and maybe we're more aware of that now because everything is so publicized and yeah, everything is so much more connected. And so what I happens in one county, we know we're more right. knowledgeable and I don't think that we are. I think we're just we're more aware of like what can happen. Right. But we don't realize how often things yeah. Happen. And like I am not I am not advocating in any way for some sort of like helicopter parenting. Right. But what I'm saying is like if your kid is on Snapchat, like you need to repent. Like you need to <laughs> pause. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. You need to pause this. You need to remove that from their device. And you need to repent out loud to them. Because on what planet? Like, describe to me what good reason someone has for sending a picture that can't be seen in 24 hours. Right. And, 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 you know, here's the thing that gets me about Snapchat. I don't understand Snapchat cause I'm an old person. Um, I tried it once cause I didn't realize what it was. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's the filters, right? Mm-hmm. Which tell me what child is not obsessed with filters. Kids, yeah. this is mm-hmm. so, this is so immature. This is, this like snags kids. This grabs kids. They think it's the most fun thing in the world. Yep. And it's consequence free mm-hmm. because the photo disappears. Right. Don't tell me that whoever had the idea for this platform wasn't disgusting right. because something is wrong there. Your kids should not be sending photos of themselves that no one can see 24 right. hours later. Well, and like, now filters are on everything. Oh, filter. Like, yeah, seriously. You can find filters everywhere that don't you disappear. Can, exactly. <laughs> and it's like this, if you think it's not your kid, like it is your kid. Right. Yes, it's your kid. Well, and yeah, I guess that that's the interesting thing is, well, there's this, there's this part of, me with the case that thinks because it's not it's not totally unheard of that people would run away right to realize their dreams mm-hmm. go to california mm-hmm. and then have no way of making money mm-hmm. and so they would be preyed upon mm-hmm. by people who would say i'll take care of you mm-hmm. i'll get you a job mm-hmm. this kind of thing right and so it that wouldn't all... be crazy if eight years later she was working as a prostitute in alaska right, right. Um, but even then, like I said, with the light bulbs, it's kind of weird. Even if it doesn't seem as though she totally did that on her own, Mm -hmm. she would have had to have some help or force or whatever. Um, but even if that wasn't the case, like you said, something, even if it was 
with the friends something went down mm-hmm. that night and it was because some 14 year olds were home alone being drinking stupid 14 year olds yeah and like that's the that's the thing is like I understand like when you're not raising kids in a Christian home like that is quote unquote normal behavior mm-hmm. but like you have to understand the damage of that quote unquote normal right. behavior and mm-hmm. I think we we tend as Christians sometimes to be a little snotty and be like well they're not Christian so you know that's what happens right. and it's just like what are the ways in which you might be allowing something similar in your own home? Right. Like what kind of lacks, what kind of behaviors are you lax in that demonstrate to your kids that discernment isn't that big of a deal? Wisdom's not that big of a deal. How I utilize my time, not that big of a deal. Who I'm friends with, not that big of a deal. Like what are the ways, I just think as Christians, we do this hardcore. We're like, well, not my kid and not in my house. And you just don't really evaluate. Right. You think because you're Christian, the sin isn't as, isn't there. Right. Or, you, or because you're able to look at right certain things and wade through them and think critically about them doesn't mean that your kids will your be kids able can. to. Right. They and might be really influenced by something that you would... Wouldn't be influenced by. Yeah. Exa- oh, 100%. You would see through it right. a mile away. And that's and, the thing yeah. is, like, it is your responsibility as a parent to guide your children and to protect them. And I can think of few things. I mean, what a predator's nightmare. Or, I'm sorry, dream. <laughs> Par- right. Parent's nightmare. Predator's, like, dream. Uh, stuff like Snapchat and just all the secrets. different social media secrets. avenues. Secrets yeah. from secrets and privacy. Right. Having having things in your life that your parents don't know about. You're a kid. Mm-hmm. You don't. I mean, you can say whatever you want. Your brain's not fully developed or um Mm-hmm. You don't have life experience to understand that some people will hide their true intentions to get things that they want out of you. Um, right. Regardless of what it is, you don't, there's not a lot of good things that come from uh, your kids having being able secret to hide things the, from anything you. they do on the internet. Right. It just because shouldn't that's be an really, option. Regardless of, I mean, what happened in this really, really sad situation, it would have involved her keeping a secret, secret from her mom right. and her mom trusting right. that uh, she didn't have any secrets from right. her. Right. And now ultimately, like I said, I'm not blaming the mom. I'm not saying yeah. like, Oh, this is all her fault. Um, Cause we don't know everything that happened. But what I right. do know is that I don't think she should have been out of town with her boyfriend until midnight and leaving her 14 year old daughter to have friends over and yeah. the party. And mm-hmm. I know that, that seems really obvious, but it's like if you have a kid with a smartphone with like Snapchat, maybe these things aren't that obvious to right. you because this is this is the doorway now. Yeah, that wasn't the doorway in 1980. The doorway in 1980 was kids being left home alone to their own devices. Right. Yeah. Um, and now they're all home with us on their own devices. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a dangerous situation. Anyway, there's like a the whole reason this was interesting to me is because I've been thinking so much about the generational gaps and like, how do you, how do you fight that? How do you battle against the gap of like, okay, my kids, all of their friends have smartphones. They think that it's normal to have a smartphone. I'm going to be the mean, strict, horrible parent if I don't let them do this. Like, how do you fight that? And I really think you fight it in fellowship and in community. I think that you, 
need to be extremely involved in your kids' lives and that you need to be active with your kids. The family that fights together and feasts together really does stay together. And I think that that is the, that is the way that you fight this is that you, you don't have, uh, your kid's life and your life are these two things that run parallel to each other and they're completely separate. It needs to be something that where you guys are living life together. You guys are serving together. You guys are spending time in fellowship and being hospitable together. Um, and it's just, you can't, we can't continue this idea of, well, that's my kid's life over here and this is my life over here um, until they leave the house. You guys, this should, this should be your family's life. This should be something that you're doing um, as a family. Um, obviously, I don't go to the girls' 9 to 18 cl- apologetics class at church. Right. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But like, I know all the parents that are there and I'm talking to the other parents that are there and I know all the kids that are there and this is something that I support them in and they're going to go, you know what I mean? Like that's what I mean by doing this together is the answer. And I think it solves that generational gap. And then obviously we need to train our kids to reject what is quote unquote normal Mm -hmm. in society to train them in holiness. Right. That, which is not normal. Right. And that's, and so it's not to say that like, my kids won't be holy if I don't know every single little thing they do. And, and if I don't know every single, single little thing they do, right. they're going to get kidnapped or <laughs> right. like, <laughs> right. I'm not saying that it's encouraging a household of holiness, right. Transparency of with sin in regards to sin, mm-hmm. openness to accountability. That is the, that is your household. That's how your household right. runs and operates. Cause kids will have secrets. We all have things that we can, there's plenty sure. of things we can get away with that nobody will ever know. I don't need to know every conversation that's right. happened <laughs> in my house. That's not the point. <laughs> I'm saying don't have parallel lives with your children. Right. Where it's like, well, they do their thing and I do mine. Right. You, you are a household. Right. You should act like one. Right. That's it. <laughs> Man. Still don't know what happened to Loreen. We might never, I don't know. I don't want to speculate, but it's just one of those unsolved cases with all these weird tangential things. And, um, yeah, it's really And yeah, sometimes it's hard to know. I was thinking that a lot, a lot about that with my case that we'll do next week, but just how, like, sometimes it's just our ignorance of how an actual police investigation works. Sometimes there really are things that could have been done better. Yes. Oh my goodness. If they had known that at the time that two other girls had gone missing within weeks of her. Right. That is huge. That's so huge. Right. But yeah, so sad. And I just, I can't, I can't imagine the regret that she felt. Right. For leaving. Right. And then, you know, obviously if Lorene is, if she didn't meet some sort of like horrible end that night, then. Right. It's been rough since. Right. Because she was calling home. Yeah. She was definitely the caller if that was. I just don't know why she wouldn't have. Just to hear her mom's just voice. Said, just said like, I don't can know, I come home? You know, home? when you're a kid, you just think. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Well, hey, you can leave us a voicemail. <laughs> 470-465-0475. Don't forget to join book club. Uh, it's going to be a great time. That is at patreon.com slash theologians. I don't think I have anything else to tell them. Do you? I do not. 
All right. Well, hey, we will see you all next week. See ya.